This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Let's start this evening's entertainment with a trip back to 1950 and a sci-fi program that was very well received by the radio audiences back then, Dimension X. The episode tonight is entitled Dwellers in Silence. So 20 years after mankind abandoned Earth, a spaceship from Mars lands. 20 years have passed since the last of the giant migration ships had crashed into the surface of Mars, bearing its pitiful handful of survivors of the Earth Wars. Twenty years of scratching at the stubborn Martian soil. Twenty years of trying to devise new solar engines that would use the strange fuel they had found on Mars. Twenty years of longing and turning eyes toward the green Earth as it hung on the horizon like a beckoning light. Colonists from Mars return to Earth generations after the atomic war and discover a few survivors, a family with some very odd peculiarities about them. Adventures in time and space, told in future tense. Dimension. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, bring you Dimension X. Twenty years had passed since the last of the giant migration ships had crashed to the surface of Mars, bearing its pitiful handful of survivors of the Earth Wars. Twenty years of scratching of the stubborn Martian soil. Twenty years of longing, of turning eyes toward the green earth as it hung on the horizon like a beckoning light. And now it was done, and the first new ship, built of shining Martian chromaton, had lifted bravely toward home with three men locked in its metal belly. Would they return to an earth made barren by cosmic dust, to a blackened radioactive hell? Or would they find intelligence still alive on the scourged planet? What had 20 years of death and radioactivity done to our beloved Earth? That's it, Captain. We've intersected the course vector. Williams. Yes, sir? Prepare for deceleration. Forward fission ready, Captain. Read us off, Athens. We'll enter the gravitational field of the Earth in exactly 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4... Three. Fire two and four. One. Two and four. What's our momentum, Evans? Negative three. Fire one. One. Negative four now. Steady as she goes. 
How are we? On parabola now. If we can hold, we should breach the heaviside layer somewhere north of what used to be Mamansk. Let's have a look at her. Visor, please. Yes, sir. Mother Earth. Twenty years. We're going home, Evans. We're going home. Home to what, Captain? Home to a burned-out, radioactive planet that is incapable of supporting human life? Evans and I don't agree with that, Williams. We think the Earth is ready for us again. That she'll give us another chance. I'm sorry, Captain, but I was born and brought up on Mars under the new central government. We younger men disagree with you about migrating back to Earth. For us, Mars is home. Well, we'll see. If there is some form of life on Earth, we'll find out soon enough. Williams, head for New York. There it is, Captain. You can barely see the top of the Atomic Trades Building in the twilight. They never finished building it. Dark as a tomb. Slow to cruising speed. Cruising speed. It begins to look as if Williams is right, Captain. Not a sign of life on four continents. Ah, we'll make a radiation check and then head back for Mars. You agree with me, gentlemen? That for all practical purposes, the planet is dead? It's still my captain. What is it? Am I going out of my mind? Look out that way to the west. Could that be... By heaven, it is. Those are lights. Turn the ship. Heading west, southwest. Full speed. Full speed. They are lights. Captain, it's a city, a whole blasted city lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, what do you think of your dead planet now, Williams? We shall see, Evans. Remember, the commission wants evidence of life as we know it. Decelerate to negative five. We're going to take her down. There's an open area just on the edge of the city. Yes, sir. Hold on, gentlemen. We're about to land. Landing jacks are down, sir. Open the airlock. Close. All right, gentlemen. Before we go out, security at all times. Williams, you have the blast gun? I have it. If anyone becomes separated, fire a shot and make for the ship. How's the radiation, Evans? Safe enough so far. This seems to be a light area. Very well. Open the lock. soul to be seen. There must be someone. How do you explain the lights? I don't know. Municipal building. Shall we have a look here, sir? Possibly the records might contain some clue. Good idea. Keep your weapons ready. Hmm, this door is in good working order. Almost as if it had been oiled recently. Long corridor. Lights blazing in every office. William, stand to watch here in the corridor. Fire a blast if you need us. Yes, sir. Evans, you come with me. We'll start right here with the city clerk's office. Uh, better check radiation again. Not enough to do any damage. Gives you the creeps, doesn't it? Look at this desk. 
paper's crumpled, ink-stained, just as if somebody came in and worked here every day. Calendar, June 18th, 1987. Why, that's the day of the evacuation. The dust cloud had already blanketed New York and was heading west. Dog licenses, hunting permits. Somehow I have a peculiar feeling that... Good Lord. Pick it up, Evans. Hello? No answer. Hello? I hear something. A scratching sort of noise. Good day, Doctor. What? How are you? I called to ask some advice about a trepanning problem. Can you tell me if the lateral cut should be made first? Hello? Hello? This is absolutely Thank insane. You, Hello? Doctor. I'll do that. By the way, how is your wife, Alice? And the girls? And your son, John? Fine boy, John. I'll call again tomorrow. Goodbye, Doctor. Hello? Hello? It's gone dead. Who was it? I don't know. A strange voice carried on a conversation about some surgical operation without paying the slightest attention to anything I said. Captain, the lights are out. Good Lord. Captain! Captain! I have a torch. Come on. Williams, what is it? I don't know. You fired a shot. Yes, sir. Just as the lights went out, I, I'm sure I saw a figure. It looked like an old man in a white robe. It moved across the end of the corridor down that way. Flash your torch down there, Evans. Nothing there. Are you certain, Williams? I'm not certain. The lights, they're on again. We're going to get to the bottom of this. If... Wait, wait. What? Listen. Quietly. Someone is coming, walking slowly toward the corridor. Coming closer. Cover him when he turns the corner. It'll be a pleasure. Don't fire unless I give the word. Shh. What? <gasps> Jumping Jupiter. Are you... Is it really someone or... Am I having hallucinations? We are no vision. No. No, you seem to be real. I saw the ship come down. I, I thought perhaps I was losing my mind. It's, it's been so many years. I'm Captain John Parsons. These are my assistants, Dr. Evans and Mr. Williams. We've returned to Earth from Mars. Oh, then it's happened. We're not alone any, anymore. Forgive me, gentlemen. I, I seem moved. I, I, I waited and hoped for so long. You survived the radiation? We, we did. There are others? My family were the only ones. I answered the phone a moment ago. Who was it? You heard my voice, Doctor. Your voice? To break the loneliness, I've recorded my voice and rigged up an automatic telephone. It's pleasant to hear the phone ring. <laughs> I, I come here to do my work. I take it you're a medical man. My name's Cornelius Hathaway. Hathaway? Hathaway, the brain surgeon? You know my name. Who doesn't? I watched you on television at college. I saw you 20, 23 years ago. You performed a difficult surgery for a cerebral tumor. Marvelous. Thank you. I, I'd almost forgotten. My, my mind, you see, I'm... I'm almost 80 now. You look fine, sir. Well, we've had the best of everything. An entire city to choose from. Coal storage, the best equipment. Oh, but come, when I saw your ship, I told Alice, my, my wife, you know, to prepare a feast. This is a great day for me, gentlemen. A great, great day. <laughs> Thank you.
This is my wife, gentlemen. Alice, this is Captain Parsons, Dr. Evans, and Mr. Williams. I'll do, Mrs. Do. Now, if you'll follow me, gentlemen, we'll, we'll meet my children. Lord, what a beautiful woman. She looks no more than 35. These are my daughters, Susan and Marguerite. This is my son, John. Oh, I well, uh, Sit down, gentlemen, sit down. <laughs> we'll have a feast in honor of this occasion. Susan, Marguerite, get the best silverware and the damask napkins. Uh, John, fetch the glasses. Oh, yes, Father. It'll only Excuse take... Excuse me, John. Sir? How old are you? 23, sir. Thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me. What is it, Captain? Something wrong? Nothing except that it's impossible. You see, Dr. Hathaway's son was already in college when I started. That would make him at least 45. That was a wonderful meal, Mrs. Hathaway. Doctor, your wife is an exceptional woman. <laughs> Thank you, sir. How would you gentlemen like some fresh gingerbread with your coffee? I baked it this morning. Oh, wonderful. Smell that, Evans? Oh, it's like coming home, Mrs. Hathaway. <laughs> we enjoy having you here. Mrs. Hathaway, may I compliment you on your having preserved your youth and beauty so well? Thank you. We have had no worries here. No competition. Only the things we need for material comfort. Uh, Parsons and I were wondering, Dr. Hathaway, if the radioactivity had any effect in preserving tissue. Your children all look so young, too. It, uh, it is possible, gentlemen, of course. Uh, radiation does strange things to living tissue. Uh, Alice, could we have some champagne? Of course. I'll only be a moment. An amazing woman. Did you ever see such grace? Such complete relaxation. It doesn't seem quite natural. I, I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Uh, Captain Parsons was just about to ask how you and your family managed to escape, Dr. Hathaway. You were very fortunate. I was working in the Sierra Mountains at the time. I had a lead-lined laboratory where I did X-ray research on my pet project. And what is that, sir? The study of machines as they relate to human function and the corollary of... Co uh, well, to continue, when the dust cloud covered America, we remained in the laboratory, well supplied with food and water. Later, when the radiation permitted, we made our way east, back to our old home, in the hopes of finding other survivors. But by that time, every living creature had been evacuated to Mars. We were stranded. The migration ships didn't wait for stragglers. That's true. My father and I were on the last rocket out of New York. I've always loved this old house. But the loneliness of those first years... At least you had your wife and children. Yes. Yes, I had my family. If it were not for them, gentlemen, I assure you, I would long ago have put a bullet in my head. Here we are. <sighs> Champagne, Captain. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Hathaway. Uh, may... May I propose a toast? Oh, let me. Gentlemen... To Earth. To Earth. Earth. May she never be a stranger to man again. Hathaway, what is it? Uh, nothing really. It's just a rather sharp pain in the chest. I think you should lie uh, no. down, Doctor. No. Yes. Well, perhaps you're right. Let me help you. No, no, no. John and Susan will help. Of course, Father. Why, why don't you gentlemen go out on the porch, enjoy the air? I'll, I'll see you all in the morning. Good night, Doctor. Good night. Come, John. Yes, Father. Uh... 
what do you think of old Mother Earth now, Williams? Smell that summer breeze. Look at that view of the city lighted up against the sky. It has a certain quality. Well, score one point for the back-to-earth proponent. <laughs> I didn't say that. You're beginning to feel it, though, Williams. I can tell. If you don't mind, gentlemen, I'm quite tired. I think I'll turn in. Excuse me. Well, Captain? Well, what? What do you make of all this... I don't know what you mean. This Hathaway and his family. There's something strange and unnatural going on here. I can sense it. I think you're reading things into it, Evans. Oh, perhaps. Well, I'll turn in, too. Are you coming? In a moment, I want to smoke a cigarette. Beautiful view. <gasps> what? Is it not? I didn't hear you come out. How is he? Resting. I've never seen him this bad. Yes, he's an old man. I'm sorry, but the difference in your ages is so apparent. You must have been married very young. My husband is a very great man, Captain. It's too bad there was no one to appreciate him. Once, he wired the whole city with sound speakers, and when he pressed a button, the whole town lit up and made noises, as if 10,000 people were living in it. He must have been very lonesome for people. Although with a woman such as you, I don't understand. Perhaps one day you will understand. Good night, Captain. Good night, Mrs. Hathaway. Captain. Captain Parsons. Uh. Who's there? It's Dr. Evans. What time is it? 2 a.m. What's wrong? I couldn't sleep. A few minutes ago, I heard someone slip out the front door. The moonlight, I saw it was the old man. He was headed toward our ship. What are you suggesting, Evans? Nothing, except that it's fairly unnatural for an old man with a bad heart to go wandering off at 2 in the morning. Very well. We'll follow him. See him yet? No. Look, ahead there on the hillside. Isn't that Hathaway kneeling in the moonlight? Yes, I think so. Can we get closer? Let's head for that clump of bushes. <laughs> this is far enough. What do you suppose he's doing there? What are those things on the ground? Good Lord. Those are grave markers. Four of them. You're right. Seems to be praying over them. Listen. Do you forgive me for what I've done? I had to do it. I was so terribly lonely. You, you, you do forgive me, don't you? Yes, I... I feel you do. I'm glad. I think perhaps I can... rest now. I think I... He's having another attack. Come on. Hathaway! Dr. Hathaway. Uh, raise his head, Evans. His lips are moving. What is it, Doctor? Lean closer. I... I'm sorry I had to spoil all of this. I've, I've expected it for some time. We'll fix you up. No. No, this is the end for me. It really doesn't matter. Except for them. What about them, Hathaway? You... You suspected, didn't you? Yes, I suspected, but I couldn't believe it until now. Do they know? No. 
no, they wouldn't understand. I, I, I wouldn't want them to know ever. The earth. The earth. Don't try to talk. The earth is so fair. Doctor. He's dead, Captain. He knew it was the end this time. Yes, he knew. What was it he meant about your suspect? Light a match, Evans. Look on those four grave markers and tell me what you see. Good Lord. Well? Alice Hathaway. Marguerite Hathaway. Susan Hathaway. John Hathaway. Died July 1987. But that's 20 years ago. If these markers are correct, then who are those others? Can't you guess, Evans? Can't you guess? Mrs. Hathaway, are you awake? Yes, Captain. May I come in? Yes. It's about my husband, isn't it? You knew... I saw him go out tonight. He felt it was near the end. He died less than an hour ago. I'm sorry. Thank you. How do you feel? He told us it would happen one day and that he didn't want us to cry. He didn't teach us how, you know. He said it was the worst thing that could happen to know how to be lonely and unhappy. What will happen to us now that he's gone? I don't know. Will you stay with us? I would like to, but I cannot. You know about us. Yes, I know. I didn't think that you knew yourself. The children don't. I've been aware for a long while. No one would have guessed. You're so perfect. Oh, he would have liked to hear you say that. He was so very proud of us. After a while, he came to love us. And at the end, he took us as his real wife and children. He even forgot sometimes that he had made us. You gave him a great deal of comfort. Yes. Over the years, we sat and talked. He loved so much to talk. I was first, you know. Then he became lonesome for the children. And so he made them. He told me about the things he did, about his laboratory. Oh, surely the children must suspect. Oh, no. You see, there were no other beings with which to compare themselves. He must have been a great, great genius. Each morning he took a recording of his voice into town and put it on the automatic telephone. Each night it would call us. I think, what with the phone ringing and the sound of voices and the lights on, he was happy. There was only one thing. One flaw. And that... He couldn't make us grow old. And so he had to watch himself become an old, old man while we stayed young. It was a great blow to him. And so we commend the body of this man, Cornelius Hathaway, to his maker. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust returneth. Amen.
come, John. Yes, Mother. Susan? Marjorie? Evans, Williams, stay here a moment, please. What is it? Let them go back to the house. I want to speak to you. I know what you're going to tell us, Captain. I saw the names on the grave markers. Well? It's a mockery. A blasphemy of everything we believe in. For a man to do something so evil. Can't you imagine what he faced? Can't you imagine what it must have been like to have watched his wife and children die slowly of radiation burns? To know that he was the last man on the face of the earth? Alone? Eternally and unalterably alone? Good Lord, man, what would you have done if you'd had his, his medical and technical genius? That's incredible. Yes, it is. But with an entire American city on which to draw for supplies and equipment, a brilliant man might accomplish anything, even that. What are you suggesting, Captain? That we take them back? We haven't enough space in the ship for that. Every ounce counts. Still, to leave them here, like that, alone... I think I have an answer, cold-blooded as it may seem. Go on. I suggest that we turn them off. Do you think that I could do that? No, but I could. After all, they aren't human. They're worse than robots. They're ghoulish. Have you talked to her? Has she smiled at you with that quiet, beautiful smile? Captain, we can't take them with us, and it would be less than human to leave them here without Hathaway. Could you do it, Evans? Give me the blast gun, Williams. We'll wait in the ship. Take off in half an hour. Half an hour. Six twenty-five. He should be back soon. Yes. He's doing the only humane thing, Captain. They are less than human. Are they? Well, it's done now, and no one will ever... That's the airlock. He's back. Well? Here's your gun. Did you do it? When I entered the house... She looked at me with those fine, intelligent eyes. I couldn't do it. It would be murder, cold-blooded murder. I prayed you wouldn't be able to do it. There will never be anything as fine as they are. Built to last 200, 300, perhaps a thousand years. Well, get the course in the integrator, Williams. We'll take off in 20 minutes. I should be back by then. You're going out, sir? I'm going to say goodbye. Come back. Only to say goodbye. It was nice of you. I wanted you to know that I am coming back someday. When will you come? I don't know. It will take many years to prepare fuel for another trip. Six, seven, perhaps ten years. I will watch the sky at night, just as he watched it. Oh. I'm afraid I must go now. I understand. Strange. I have a new feeling. One which he did not teach us. A feeling of 
longing, of sadness. That one is not taught. It comes of being alive. Yes. I am alive. Even though he created me, I'm a person now. Goodbye, Alice Hathaway. Goodbye, John Parsons. just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension X. When the time comes for man to explore the universe, to deal with the strange inhabitants of other worlds, there will be much to remember. Perhaps the most important lesson of all will seem too fundamental to be included in the training manuals. Listen at this time next week as Dimension X brings you a story from the pages of the August astounding science fiction. A story called Courtesy. Dimension X is presented each week by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Screet and Smith, publishers of the magazine Astounding Science Fiction. Today, Dimension X has presented Dwellers in Silence, written for radio by George Lefferts from the story by Ray Bradbury. Featured in the cast were Peter Capel as Captain Parsons, Bill Griffiths as Dr. Hathaway, and Gertrude Warner as Alice. Your host was Norman Rose, music by Albert Berman. Dimension X is produced by William Welch and directed by Fred Way. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to head back to 1949 for Duffy's Tavern, where we'll hear about an upcoming marriage. Crystal Myers, makers of Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. <laughs> Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leak me? The Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Ah, oh, Duffy, I'm as happy as a bee with the hives. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting married. Yep, to a very high-class society dame. I, I got in touch with her through the Lonely Hearts Club and the Police Gazette. <laughs> yes, I was intrigued by their slogan. It said, uh, every client comes back and thanks us. The girls ain't pretty, but they're awful anxious. <laughs> well, uh, I've been corresponding uh, with the Dame Duffy, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to marry, you know? Sounds terrific. Huh? When you married Mrs. Duffy, she was terrific, too. Young and cute and Irish as Patty's pig, huh? Now, after 30 years, you wish you'd married the pig. <laughs> well, at what point did she start to change? 
The minute you carried her over the threshold, huh? <laughs> hey, wait a minute, just a second. How'd you ever carry a fat dame like that over the threshold? Two trips. <laughs> well, Duffy, I'm glad to see that you still got a sense of humor about the sweet old fat slob. <laughs> well, I'll call you back. I got a lot of things on my mind. Eddie. Uh, uh, yes, Miss Oscar. Eddie, uh, when a guy's getting married and he starts walking down the aisle, uh, which foot does he start with? The, the left or the right? Left or right, he's still off on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I'm uh, thinking of committing matrimony, you know. Oh. Mazel tov. <laughs> Might I ask you uh, who the lady in question is? Well, the questionable lady uh, <coughs> happens to be uh, Miss uh, Millicent Van Schnook. Mm. What does this schnook look like? <laughs> Eddie, it's Van Schnook. And she's beautiful. She says. <laughs> Where'd you meet this snook? Van Schnook. I'm sorry, Van Schnook. Well, uh, I ain't met her yet. As I say, the, the wedding is being handled through the mails. Mm, what won't Sears and Roebuck think of me? <laughs> <laughs> you, you say you fell in love with this gal by mail? Yeah, funny thing how it happened, Eddie. It all began with a mere penny postcard, but... Before the week was out, we was mailing hot special deliveries. <laughs> yeah, with the stamps upside down. <laughs> you should have seen them last couple of letters. Flaming. I told her how she kindled me spark of love and how me embers was burning for her. <clears throat> then I filled up the rest of the page with X's. You mad, passionate thing, you. <laughs> I'll soon be married. It'll be wonderful, you know. Get out of that lonely furnished room. Have a real home. Two wash rags instead of one. Two teeth brush. Two towels. Two rings around the bathtub. You're really happy, huh? Yes, yeah, sure am. I've always wanted a family, and who knows? I might uh, have some little ones someday that would turn their sweet cherubic faces up to me and and say, uh, all right. <laughs> again, uh, Eddie, remind me to get in touch with Margaret Sangster, will you? Uh, guess what, Finnegan? I'm getting married. That's nice. What else is new? Maybe you didn't hear me right. I'm getting married. M A R R E D. <laughs> married? Oh, that's stupid. Why? What's wrong with marriage? Well, it's all right for people with children. <laughs> Personally, I, I think it takes the fun out of being a bachelor. Finnegan, you are exactly what you look like. Who's a moron? <laughs> you. Oh, I'm a moron. Who's the guy that's getting married? Look, people got to get married. Our whole way of life is based on it. Why? Well, because men are men and women are women. Well, I grant it's a novel arrangement, but I don't see the point. <laughs> All right, let me put it this way. Yeah. Uh, your father and mother, they was married, right? I'll go along with that. <laughs> okay. Now, if your father and mother hadn't gotten married, where would you be today? Up at the ball game. 
Hey, you see what I'm driving at? Well, do you? Let me put it this way. No. <laughs> well, look, I'm merely trying to explain. You see, the fact that your parents hit the jerk pot, uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Uh, human life, uh, Finnegan, is deeper than that. Now, take Freud, for instance. He says mankind falls in love for interior motives, you see. But Freud can be wrong. All right. Would you mind if I ask you a question? What? What are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about love and marriage. The, you mean that stuff about the birds and the bees? Yeah. Mere propaganda. <laughs> the birds and the bees? Why, sure. Last week, I took a bee, and I put it in the bird's cage, and... Yeah? Frankly, Arch, nothing has happened. <laughs> I still fail to see whether it has anything to do with something. Uh, however, I won't argue the point. Well, uh, I just... You're uh, certainly in a talkative mood tonight, Arch. Well, why not, Joe? When a guy's planning to marry a dame like this Millicent, he wants to shout it out to the whole world. Same with me. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Every week I like to tell the whole world about Itana Toothpaste. Well, some guys like dames, some guys like toothpaste. <laughs> Personally, I'm a guy that likes dames, you know. Uh, when I give them a little squeeze, I don't have to worry about getting the brush. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Arch. I like girls, too, but I like them to have a lovely smile. And that's why I like to tell everyone about Ipana. For Ipana helps you to the prettiest, most sparkling smile you ever had. You know, dentists like Ipana so much that it's the toothpaste more of them use themselves as well as recommend to their patients than any other. You ought to try the Ipana way to a pretty smile yourself. Because dentists say the Ipana way works. And it's easy. First, between regular visits to your dentist, brush all tooth surfaces with Ipana toothpaste at least twice a day. Then massage gums the way your dentist advises to stimulate gum circulation. Then see the difference Ipana toothpaste can make to your teeth, to your smile. Get a tube of Ipana first chance you get. Remember, a good dentifrice, like a good dentist, is never a luxury. So make the Ipana way your way to healthier gums, brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. The Ipana smile, the smile of beauty. <laughs> Hey, Eddie. Yeah? Eddie, uh, see what you think of this wedding invitation, huh? Wedding invitation? Yeah, I just wrote it out. Hmm, let's see. I, Archie, hereby announce his engagement to the former Miss Van Schnook, Nee Millicent. <laughs> the bride and groom hereby request your president. Uh, president's. No, no, no. Try it again, sir. President. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, we are only on that tape. <laughs> uh, see this week, sneaky way, our sneaky way to underline the word presence. Continue, Eddie. Okay. Those <laughs> will be optional, but we prefer black tie. Clothes will be optional. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't apply to the ladies, of course. <laughs> Might be a little gaudy. <clears throat> Continue, Eddie. Obscene language will not be tolerated, as ceremony will be civil. <laughs> Signed, Cobina Wright. Cobina Wright. Gives it a little touch of class. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a big night for Third Avenue, all right? Uh, say, Archie, I hear you're getting married. Yeah. Oh, well, may I propose a toast? Oh, thank you, Miss Duffy. What's the toast? Uh... There's nothing so sweet as a wedding in June. Here's to the bride and here's to the goon. <laughs> oh, you're bitter, huh? Just mad because you're still on a shelf. Oh, yeah. I could have got off the shelf plenty of times. Enumerate the opportunities. <laughs> Who? Well, for one, Ernest Tiefendorfer. For two, Breckenbridge Hartsenfelder. And for three, Harold Harperrode. How did she ever miss Adolf Schickel group? <laughs> These guys all wanted to marry him? They certainly did. In fact, <laughs> Harold Harperrode turned to drink when I refused to marry him. Naturally, a thing like that calls for a celebration. <laughs> but if you had all these proposals, how come your old man has a standing offer of two white shirts to any guy that'll go out with you? And he'll even shorten the sleeves. Archie, that's a lie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was Mama that said she'd shorten the sleeves. <laughs> Besides, you're somebody to talk. I'd like to see what's marrying you. What's marrying me happens to be a very beautiful society dame from a family with yachts and swimming pools and packet cars. And I'm going to be the man that owns one. Oh, just marrying her for her father's money, huh? Who's marrying her for father's money? I'd marry her no matter whose money it was. <laughs> and I resent the inference that I'm a piccolo. <laughs> Say, Art, uh, by the way, did you get the wedding ring yet? Oh, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Give me that phone. Hello? Tiffany and Schwartz? <laughs> uh, genuine department, please. <laughs> Hello? Genuine? Mr. Tiffany? <clears throat> this is Archie of Duffy's Tavern, uh, I'm thinking about getting married. Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me, Mr. Tiffany, what have you got in a diamond wedding ring? Something with a nice large floor. <laughs> huh? How many carrots? Uh, oh, I know, about 30 or 40. <laughs> How much? Hmm. Let me talk to Schwartz. <laughs> Hello, Schwartz? Uh, what have you got in a nice diamond ring? Oh, up to about five bucks. <laughs> huh? You'll let me know as soon as the glass blower comes back from lunch? <laughs> okay, Schwartz, I'll wait for your call. <clears throat> George, five bucks for a wedding ring? So what? I make that kind of dough in a couple of days. <laughs> Besides, this is one marriage I want to get started right. You see, Finnegan, a woman is a peculiar thing. You've got to approach her tenderly, like a delicate flower, or else love is apt to wane out the window. Yeah. But how did you ever learn so much about love? Just observation. You see, before I worked at Duffy's, I used to be flashlight man in the drive-in movie. <laughs> 
Doctor J, you certainly learned a lot. Well, Good evening, Archie, me boy. Well, Clancy to come. Then how many of it to you? Thanks, in the back of me hand to you, Stick. Uh, Eddie, some bourbon. Uh, three fingers for the long arm. <laughs> Thank you, Archie. I could use a pick-me-up. You know, we had our annual policeman's ball last night. I feel terrible. Well, wine, women, and song, huh? Yes, but not necessarily in that order. <laughs> it's too bad you weren't there, Archie. No, Clancy, my days is over at this spinster. Uh, I gotta settle down now that I'm getting married. You? Taking the leap? Mm -hmm. I thought you always played hard to get. I did, but I found if you play too hard to get, you don't get cut. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope you found the right girl, Archie. You know, choosing a wife is a serious business. When you embark on the sea of matrimony, make sure you don't do what I did and get a leaky boat. <laughs> you never know what kind of a woman you're getting until after you marry her. Yeah, it's like taking a poke at a pig, ain't it? <laughs> and I tell you, Archie, marriage is just like a hot bath. After a while, it ain't so hot. <laughs> Take my case, for example. Mrs. C and I were married in a beautiful little ceremony over in Ireland. And according to the tradition, first I kissed the Blarney Stone, and then I kissed Mrs. Clancy. You know, the Blarney Stone had more pucker than she did. <laughs> I've met Mrs. Clancy. Pretty horrible kisser. That's right. You have met her, haven't you? Yeah, but the dame I'm marrying is different. There are plenty of dough, a gorgeous figure, you know, loaded with money, beautiful eyes, loaded with dough. Just a second, Arch. You wouldn't be thinking of taking money from a woman, would you? Is there a law? <laughs> but, Archie, that would make you a leech and a parasite. Leave us not think of me as a leech or a parasite, Clancy. Leave us just think of the dame as an art supporter. Art supporter, me. Hey, that's good. I think I'll send that to Walter Winchell. <laughs> Remind me to do that, will you, Eddie? Okay. Uh, by the way, this telegram just arrived for you. A telegram for me? Let's see. Hey. It's from Millicent. She says, yes, she's going to marry me. She's on her way down here. Oh, congratulations, Archie. Well, thanks, Finnegan. Congratulations, Miss Archie. Thank you, Eddie. Condolences, Archie. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Clancy. I'm only kidding. Marriage is a fine institution. And underneath it all, I think Mrs. Clancy is the salt of the earth. I only wish I could shake her. <laughs> well, good luck to you, me boy. Archie, may I offer my congratulations? Well, thank you, Joe. And I'd like to give you this little bottle as a wedding present. You think I should be hitting the bottle so soon after I get married? <laughs> but you didn't look at it. It's a bottle of Vitalis. And Vitalis means well-groomed hair. Do you get it? Not yet. Feed it to me slow. <laughs> Don't you see? If you use Vitalis, your hair will look... Well, I mean, you'll be a well-haired groom. Joe, is your last name Miller? <laughs> All right, so I'm not so good with the jokes, Arch, but you've got to admit that what I say is true. Vitalis is perfect for well-groomed hair, and it's particularly good if you're troubled with dry, unruly hair, hair that's been dried out by sun, wind, and water. Why, no other hair preparation can give your scalp and hair better protection than Vitalis and the 60-second workout. For the Vitalis formula contains two of the same ingredients that many skin specialists prescribe for dry, flaky scalp. 
plus all the other extras that make your hair more handsome, more healthy looking. So try the Vitalis 60-second workout. Let it prevent scalp and hair dryness, rout flaky dandruff, and give you the best-looking, healthiest-looking head of hair you ever had. Look your best tomorrow if you get a bottle of Vitalis today. there, Archie? Uh, studying over these travel folders, Miss Duffy. I'm trying to figure out where to go on me honeymoon now. No fort, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, that might not be bad. I hear they get some pretty nice-looking dames down there. <laughs> yeah, they'll come in handy on your honeymoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's see. Bermuda, Cuba, Nassau. How about Lithuania? Why Lithuania? What's wrong with Lithuania? Nothing. Okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> now, where else could we go? Miami, Monte Carlo. Why would anybody want to go to Lithuania? Katrinka Yabak comes from Lithuania. So what? Katrinka's a very nice girl. Well, so is Millicent a very nice girl, and Millicent's the one I'm going on my honeymoon with. Well, okay, then. Okay. Go anywhere you want. That's just what I'm going to do. I still think you ought to go to Lithuania. <laughs> I think you should go someplace. <clears throat> uh, let's look over this folder here, Eddie. Honolulu, just overnight from Los Angeles by Pan American Airways. Only 3.38 round trip, including sleeper. Eddie, remind me to pack me sheer black pajamas. Hmm? <laughs> uh, don't bother me now, Finnegan. The dame I'm going to marry me future spouse is going to be here any minute, and we got to get busy. We ain't even shoveled an aisle through the sawdust yet. You mean you're going to have the wedding here? Why not? People get married over the radio, they get married in theaters, and airplanes. That's right, Arch. I even heard about a couple getting married in a church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah certainly. Now, let's see. i got to get the ring... And the minister, the uh, carnations for the ushers. Uh... Well, how about orange blossoms for the bride? Uh, let's not spoil her, Eddie. Just whip up a couple of martinis. <laughs> now, let's see. I'll need striped pants and a castaway coat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got to make reservations for a trip through the tunnel of love. <laughs> now, what else? Uh, uh, what kind of music are you going to have at the wedding, Archie? Well, we're going to have organ music, of course. Organ, huh? Oh, that's nice. Who's going to pass the tin cup? You? <laughs> Frustrated humor if I ever heard it <laughs> Miss Duffy, this ain't gonna be no hurdy-gurdy organ It's gonna be a beautiful pipe organ Playing the wedding march hmm. I'll bet you wouldn't even know which wedding march to play Well, how many wedding marches is there? There's two Lohengrin's and Mendelssohn's And which one do you like best? Well, Mendelssohn has always been my favorite And I'll bet you was his, too <laughs> And that's the one we're going to play. Eh, what a dopey wedding. What did you say? I think I made myself plain. No, Mother Nature took care of that. <laughs> now, look, Miss Duffy, please don't leave us argue on me wedding night. Uh... Uh, Miss Archie, if this wedding is going to take place tonight, don't you think you ought to rehearse it a little? A uh, good idea, Eddie. Uh, yeah, who could be the preacher? I'll do it. Oh, good. Uh, now, who could be the bride? How about me? Not even by proxy. 
Let's see. Who could be the bride? Jay Art. There's my girl. <laughs> Finnegan, how would you like to be me bride? Okay, Art, but first I think we'd better get me mother's consent. <laughs> no, it's only make-believe. Now, here, uh, hold me hand. Hold your hand? Yeah, okay. okay. Now, uh, start the ceremony, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here... Uh, just a minute, together. Eddie. Uh, what's the matter, Finnegan? Can't you stand still? Well, I'm nervous, George. This is a big step in me life. <laughs> worries me. Suppose we ain't compatible. Well, if we ain't, we'll just shake hands like little gentlemen and call it off. Now, go ahead, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Uh, uh, just a second. Not that I want to butt in, but don't you think the bride should have on something old and something new? Hey, this is one time she's right. Finnegan, uh, you got on anything that's old? Yeah, my pants. <laughs> uh, what about something new? The patches. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that'll cover it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, proceed ahead, Eddie. Uh... Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Well, I, I can't go through with it. What's the matter? I feel chilly marrying you. <laughs> Why? Well, you're so much taller than I am. <laughs> Would the bride please keep a trap shut? <laughs> now, come on. Let's get this over with. Do you, Mr. Archer, take Miss Millicent to be your lawful wedded wife? Miss Millicent? Yeah. So already you got another woman, huh? <laughs> And there ain't no other woman. That's just an example, a metaphor. I don't care what your metaphor. Get her out of my house. <laughs> Maybe we better make it so he can understand it. Uh, call the bride Finnegan. Okay. Do you, Miss Finnegan, take Miss Archer to be your lawful wedded husband? Do I? What? Do I? Finnegan, it's I do. Okay, then you marry him. <laughs> Finnegan, this ain't a real wedding. It's only kind of, uh, you know, mock believe. Uh, now, try it again, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, hey, who's that dame that just come in the door there? Better go over and see what she wants, Eddie. Okay, I'll be right back. The preacher has to go wait on a customer. <laughs> what a place for a wedding. Miss Duffy, to me and me bride, this place will be the little church around the corner. Don't forget, to people in love, things only seem to be what they are. <laughs> and Miss Archer, guess what? What? That girl that just come in as your bride to be. You mean that, Miss Millicent? That gorgeous hunk of punkritude? That's right. <laughs> She's beautiful. Hubba, hubba. Pardon me, are, are you really Millicent? That's right. <laughs> Miss Van Schnook, would you mind to repeat that? There you are, Chief. Finnegan, is there any limbs missing from your family tree? <laughs> sir, well, are you right, you Archie? Why? Well, if you are, sir, I'm your little Millie. 
<laughs> Millie, I got sad news for you. Archie just left town. He went back to his wife and his 12 children. Gee, I've been tilted. <laughs> well, I think you're better off, Miss Van Schnook. That Archie was never no good anyhow. You know, he's a cheat and a crook and a no-good bum. Uh, tell her about him, Eddie. No, go on. You know the facts better than me. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to go back home and try me luck again. Uh, don't leave, Millie. <laughs> uh, I think you're kind of cute. Yeah, uh, you're pretty cute, too. Uh, I think we got something in common. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> hey, I got it. Do, do you like touchy rolls? I love them. I'll bet that's what it is. Uh, what do you say we go down to the candy store and split one? Uh, can I trust you? Well, sure you can trust me. I'll divide it even. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a deal. Uh, so long, everybody. Uh, so long, everybody. Well, so long, you lucky couple. I hope you'll always be happy together. And if you have any children, name them after uh, the gargantua. <laughs> Duffy, next week, uh, Charles Coburn. Well, he's uh, sort of an old Jolson. Yeah, yeah, the only difference between Jolson and Coburn is that when Jolson gets down on one knee, there's a chance that he'll be proposing to a dame. <laughs> well, anyway, Coburn will be here next week, Duffy. Uh, be sure to listen in, huh? Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Time now to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guest will be Charles Coburn. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair. Each Wednesday, Bristol-Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.